God, my least favorite thing is the food eating ASMR. I we've probably we've definitely talked about this, but oh yes, I cannot, I cannot. <laughs> my my like mild what is it misophonia? Is that the one where it's noises? Oh, Does that bother you? I can, I just can't it, like I can't stand people who smack too much when they eat and this so that's like my nightmare where you can hear every single sound happening in the mouth. Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? Bad bitch. Bad bitch. I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if it's naughty to rule your lips, take your shoulders, take your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be there. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Girls, should we introduce our podcast? We're doing a podcast. <laughs> We're doing a podcast. It does kind of feel like um, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> a little bit. Well, our schedules so... were, we were like so stoked to be back. And then our I schedules know. just did not connect. Align. Yeah. I know. I know. But, but and, you but are yeah. listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. You are certainly listening to the podcast by that name. <laughs> I'm Hannah. That's Deanna. Hey, I'm Deanna. <laughs> oh, God. That sounded... Yeah. Dorky? Well, welcome mm-hmm. to our brand. I know. It's so cute. Yeah. But yes, you're listening to us. We talk about ladies throughout history, and, you know, that's what we do. And we are sometimes snarky about it and sometimes angry about it, and... Um, and we don't want to That's... be used as a source for your thesis about any women. Don't use us as a source. Just use but, us as know. a springboard for inspiration. Damn straight. Um, but yeah, in the three weeks since we've recorded, a lot of crazy bullshit has happened. Yeah, I'm really depressed. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a panic imagine. attack in the shower yesterday, and I cried a lot, a lot yesterday. I think that's why would, I'm so tired today. Yeah. Yeah. I would be surprised if um, that wasn't true of most of our listeners also. Yeah. But um, mm. in case you're listening to this episode far in the future, we'll give you some context. A few of the things that have like happened prior in the, in the last few weeks when we haven't been recording, um, one of the things that really fucking devastated me before the news that we just received was learning about the mass hysterectomies yeah the the genocide that's basically happening in the the detention centers at the border the concentration camps yep yep and like it's not that the united states is any stranger to forcibly sterilizing marginalized women um it's a practice (laughs) that we've uh had in many forms for i mean since our inception Um, since the country's inception even as recently I guess as 2010 they were um, performing sterilizations in women's prisons without um, yeah without needing permission or something like that and you know supposedly it was only 2010 or or we ended that in 2010 but I sincerely doubt that personally I mean I I I feel like they probably just figured out a, a more sneaky just, way i'm trying i'm trying to think of a better word than sneaky yeah but like a more under the radar way to go about yeah. it not on the books 
Or, you know, it's still coercion in some way, I'm sure. Or they feel pressured. What was the other thing before that? There was something else fucked up that I can't even remember. I feel like I've become so desensitized to news that is utterly soul-crushing. And and I just keep having these thoughts of like, okay, 2020 couldn't possibly throw something else at us. And then it fucking does. And I'm trying not to, to... you know, put that kind of jinxing energy out there because I certainly don't want to be like, what else can 2020 bring? Uh, the re-election of Donald Trump? Because that is also very possible. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I I think that you got to feel how you feel, and then and and then we have to figure out a way to rally. I mean, yeah. that's just that's just what it has to be. But you can't deny your own feelings until then. Yeah. Um. But that, you know, so the second piece of news that really has been hitting us hard is the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg Mm -hmm. this weekend. Um, And that one is really fucked up for many reasons that everybody, I think, probably already knows, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think I think what's scariest about it is whether or not conservatives are going to try and ram through another um, justice before the uh, election happens. And so, you know, there's no way to know that right now. And that's one of the reasons why we're all just sitting here stewing in our terrified juices and, (laughs) you know, having the panic tears. attacks <laughs> the tears the 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 waterfalls of tears mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's just like okay what the fuck happens now and how do we fight you know and like we can call our electeds obviously and i know most of you are all already doing that right. um but yeah it'll be interesting in the coming weeks just to see where that goes and and what happens with all of that. Yeah. Um, well, I you know, know so. a couple, at least a couple of Republican senators have already said they would not vote. So um, let's hope they. So let's hope they stick to their word because you know yeah. the Republican Party is not. I, I guess it's not exclusive to any party, but you know pol- politicians are not really well known for keeping their word all the time. Yeah, um, they'll find a really good, well written way. To backtrack. Yeah. To back out. And I was just so utterly disgusted by how quickly Mitch McConnell's statement came out, which to me just meant he had it ready to go for a while. He did. Um, Apparently he was telling his donors that it was going to be his October surprise because he knew she was going to pass, that it was probable she was going to pass. And and he thought it would be closer to October and that that was going to be his October surprise. So he was waiting for it. He knew. Oh, my God. He's such a fucking hypocrite and an asshole. Like, he has absolutely no moral compass whatsoever and no He's shame. He's the fucking devil. Like, he yeah. is, he is, the fact, I won't, I won't rage about this, but I do have to say that, like, there's this, there's this weird shit going around right now, I think because of QAnon and blah, blah, blah. It's it's the resurgence of the satanic panic, right? And yeah. so people are talking about Joe Biden sacrificing babies to drink their blood and like crazy, crazy shit like that. 
I and saw I saw a post recently about how uh, wearing a mask and standing six feet apart is um, their their two requirements for satanic rituals, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I mean, okay. sorry, I know nobody can see my face, but I, it was just like an utter like, "What the fuck?" It is, and and it, it really <laughs> just shows you that the satanic panic never fucking ended, which is just you know a problem in and of itself. But and I thought you that know we, that generate like. Gen X is is less religious, and millennials certainly are. But I get it is still a lot of boomers. But like, but the Gen thing X is, is that, in on this. Like, it's like, weird that that version of Christianity is in the very fabric of the United States. True. This idea of purity and Satan and witches and blah blah blah. Like, that's part <sighs> of our founding. You know, right. in such a big way, it's part of who we are. And so there are people who have never considered themselves Christian in their lives who believe that there are people performing satanic rituals. And the only to bring it back to Mitch McConnell, I just find it fascinating that like people are so terrified of liberals who like oops, this liberal cabal that that is stealing your children like this liberal cabal is stealing your children because they want equal rights and here's this guy who is legitimately evil and yet we're worried about Joe Biden drinking the blood of drinking babies the blood and of it's children so strange it's so yeah. fucking weird it's so weird i don't I mean, like i cannot fathom it the the fact and and it, Anytime you try and I was reading a really depressing article about this. Um, my mom has encouraged me to, to take a news break because of how upset I was yesterday. She's like, you just need to, to, to be in a positive bubble for a little bit for your own health. But I was yeah. reading this this article about how whenever you ask these QAnon believers or people who believe at least part of it, like, what's oh, can can what's your source on that? And they're like, you need to go to the Internet and you need to dig deep. And it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. You don't even, what? that's not a legitimate source. You can't, the internet is just like, you can't just say the internet and that's your source. What? Oh, I know. And they, they've been, they've been totally convinced that conventional news, fact checked news sources are in on it. They're part of the cabal. And the deep state has its claws in them. It's like you there is no there is no reasoning with these people. And one of the things my mom just told me that she was reading is that so many one of the reasons we've had this weird resurgence of QAnon is because once people went into quarantine, they had all this fucking free time to sit there on YouTube and dig deep into the internet and I roll. And they're finding all this shit for the first time and they have endless hours to just soak it all up. That's so ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? I could. I was like, that makes so much sense, but is also so terrifying. Yeah, I mean, there, there. I know BuzzFeed just posted a piece recently that I didn't read more than a paragraph of. So I'm, I'm forgive me if I'm, you know, inaccurate here. But it, the basic gist of it was, you know, interviewing people who have family members or friends who have mm. become QAnon truthers or whatever, and how it is legitimately like losing someone to a cult. And, and there's just, you cannot yes. reason with them anymore. There is a programming that's happening, and it is exactly like being in a cult. They're, the only way to be free of it is to deprogram them, and they have to do it 
themselves. Mm-hmm. You can't deprogram someone who doesn't want that. Yep. <clears throat> and that's terrifying. Yeah. So anyway, anyway. I do think I'm probably going to take a news break. <laughs> I think that's um, good. I think that's probably smart. I think especially because like we are in a in a slight like state of limbo right now waiting yeah. for some news about things that are going to happen so you know yeah. be free i just ugh, i wish that we could celebrate the amazing things that ruth bader ginsburg did first and foremost i know without would, my that without my first like... reaction to seeing the news of her death being fuck i'm so Terror. afraid yeah i know it, and it, it sucks would that it was nice. like on her shoulders. That's not fucking fair. At 89 with metastatic cancer or whatever. It was cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pancreatic. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it should not have been on her. Mm-mm. Like maybe maybe there is something not quite right with what our system is uh, doing right now. Like the way the system is set up. Especially because our checks and balances are not working as they're supposed to when you have people like Mitch McConnell running Congress. When you have Which fascists. is supposed to be a presidential check on power. Yeah. <laughs> ah! uh, anyway. No, we are on the verge of, a, of an authoritarian crisis. And it is really, really important that uh, you get out and vote in November. Yeah. Find a way to fucking do it. I just reconfirmed out of paranoia that I'm I'm definitely still registered to vote, even though I voted, you know, last year and I voted um, in the primary this year. So, yeah, <laughs> but I'm like, no, but I'm it's... not taking any fucking chances that my name got taken off a of voter roll somehow. And if anybody needs to check, vote.org has a really easy form that will help that you can fill out and it'll tell you within seconds whether or not you are registered and where you're registered. So. If you're not sure, do that. Vote.org. It's very simple. Um, And they have other resources, too. Like, they can help you request your absentee ballot. They can help you, um, you know, find a polling place. All of that stuff. So there are resources for that. Hannah coming in clutch with the good information. (laughs) Vote.org. Do it. Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? Let us know by becoming a patron on on our our Patreon. Patreon. (laughs) Oh, no. Patreon is a service that helps content creators like ourselves keep the ship going and make sure that we're able to cover all the costs that uh, come along with doing our podcast. And the more patrons we get, hopefully the more content we can start creating exclusively for patrons. Yes. So if you are interested in something like that, please become a patron so that we can start creating that content for you. Also, when you become a patron, you will get a shout out on our podcast and we will thank you personally on air. How exciting is that? Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. You can find us at patreon.com slash podcast. Oh my God. And on that note, actually, that's a good like segue into, into my person this week. Um, Lay it on me. Yeah, and and I do, I want to apologize really quick because I know it is Latinx Heritage Month and Mexican independence was September, it was September 16th, exactly. (laughs) Happy birthday, by the way. Um, 
But because we've been a little belated on actually getting to record, my notes are from a couple of weeks ago. Like I already picked and researched this person and in the aftermath of RBG dying, I could not find it in myself to research a new person um, (laughs) in time for this. So I apologize, but I think that you guys will appreciate who I've chosen. And I think that you can be forgiven. Um, I think so. I forgive you your your trespass here. But oh, we can also do an extra you. week. October's not anything specific. Or it is through October, but like we usually do spooky things in October, but we can maybe spend an extra week yeah, focusing on I think next people. Then maybe we can even October make it October 15th. Yeah. So today I am going to be talking about Shirley Chisholm. You know that name? <gasps> yes, <Aha>! I do. <laughs> Sorry, that was yes, really yes. loud into the microphone. I don't no, I know very it. much about her as a person in her life, but wasn't was she not the first African American woman to um, run for p- presidential office and actually like make it to a pretty decent running spot? Yeah, the first African American person. <gasps> Period. And yeah, she was a woman too. Yep. And um, one of the reasons I picked her was because we were about to record right after Kamala Harris's, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? She was picked. She was picked as, as his VP. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And I was like, oh, OK, well, this is a good time then to talk about Shirley Chisholm because she, you know, I don't want to say she paved the way because obviously like we're we're very delinquent as a culture and society in how many um people of color and black people that we've chosen and nominated for various um political high, high office offices yeah yeah so you know but she was the first and that's significant for a lot of reasons so i got my information from womenshistory.org smithsonian mag um, Vox.com and Wikipedia. Word. So, Shirley Anita St. Hill Chisholm was the first African-American woman in Congress and the first woman and African-American to seek the nomination for President of the United States from one of the two major political parties. <laughs> it's a lot of firsts, isn't it? I'm ready. Um, her motto and the title of her autobiography unbossed and unbought illustrated her outspoken advocacy for women and minorities during her seven terms in the u.s house of representatives born in brooklyn new york on november 30th 1924 shirley was the oldest of four daughters to immigrant parents charles st hill who was a factory worker from guyana and ruby seal st hill a seamstress from barbados Ooh, yeah She graduated from Brooklyn Girls High in 1942 and from Brooklyn College, cum laude, in 1946, where she won prizes on the debate team, which, like, you know, she used for the rest of her life. Clearly. Um, Although professors encouraged her to consider a political career, she replied that she faced a, quote, double handicap as as being both black and female, which we've talked about in previous episodes, especially um, the, oh, my God. The Combahee River Collective episode. Yep. Where one of their their whole things was being black and being female is a very, very specific 
thing. It's not mm-hmm. you can't join the women's, you know, the women's lib and have it mean the same thing to you and you can't join the black liberation and have it mean the same thing. Right. You know, black women face a very specific confluence of prejudices. Yep. So, um initially she worked as a nursery school teacher. And in 19, uh, 1949, she married Conrad Q. Chisholm, a private investigator, which I was like, um, oh, that's cool. With the best private investigator name ever, Conrad yeah. Q. Chisholm. <laughs> You're right. That is very good. That is Conrad, very good. Well done, sir. I hadn't really thought of that, but looking at it now, it is A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like straight earned- out of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> She earned her master's from Columbia University in early childhood education in 1951. Nice. And by 1960, she was a consultant to the New York City Division of Daycare. Ever aware of racial and gender inequality, she joined local chapters of the League of Women Voters, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, uh, the Urban League, as well as the Democratic Party Club in bed where I used to live in Aww. Brooklyn. I know pride and i mean that's a lot of shit <laughs> that is so many well, things honestly i'm involved i'm in. kind of surprised to, that to hear you say that she like went to columbia because not because of her credentials but because part of me would think that in the 50s and the late 40s accepting black women to columbia university was probably so fucking rare i know I know. And I wonder if part of it is because her degree was specific to education and like childcare. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is probably a degree that they could more easily see giving to a black woman. Yeah, I feel like it might have been a um, <sighs> a more predominantly female major anyway. Yeah, I'm sure it was just it was just a very different like, you know, we talked about Chan Chung Wu, who mm-hmm. could not get be taken seriously in anything because she was she was in physics, you know, she was right. in science, and people were like, "Women in science, what?" Yeah, but women with, don't have brains for that. No, oh, their God. brains are smaller. They must be they my assistant. They don't work that way. Yeah, but with childcare and education, it's. Um, it's a little bit different, at least at the time. Right. So in 1964, she ran for and became the second African-American in the New York State Legislature. Um, and after court-ordered redistricting, created a new heavily Democratic district in her neighborhood, which mm-hmm. I think that just means gerrymandering and is, you know, a problem. But maybe it was good for her at this point. Gerrymandering created a newly... Democratic district in her neighborhood in 1968, she sought and won a seat in Congress. Nice. So there, quote, fighting Shirley, as she was known. Oh, my God. mm -hmm, Introduced more than 50, 5-0, pieces of legislation and championed racial and gender equality, the plight of the poor, and ending the Vietnam War. Um, Again, why uh, do I keep getting goosebumps? Like... Because this whole, all my notes are literally just like, oh, here's this thing she did. Here's this thing she did. Here's this thing she did. Like, <laughs> I, it, she, she's one of the many women that we've talked about where it makes me feel like, 
what the fuck am I doing with my life to be a productive yes. member of society? I oh. don't even know where she found time in her day to do all of this shit, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, I wonder that a lot about um, about women in Congress today. Like, some of the shit that, that AOC does, I'm like, how do you have time to be on Instagram Live right now telling us that about... question that I have wondered as well, because she'll spend, like, 40 minutes at a time on Instagram live. And I'm like, how do you have 40 minutes to spare? I feel like I don't have 40 minutes to spare. Oh, bless her. But, and people who have worked for her say that she is like an amazing boss and that they work hard, but she makes it worth their time. And anyway, I I just think that uh, they just somehow they, they find a way to be fucking incredible and do all of these amazing things with their time. I, I feel like Shirley Chisholm is the type of person who wouldn't know what to do with herself if she wasn't doing 10 things at one time. Yeah. You know? And yeah. and so that is, you know, we benefited from that. Um, but she was a co-founder of the National Women's Political Caucus in 1971. And in 1977, she became the first black woman and second woman ever to serve on the powerful House Rules Committee. According to Tammy Brown, a Miami University history professor who is cited in this Vox article that was written by Lee Zhu, she was committed to improvements in childcare access for working mothers and greater educational opportunities for all Americans, but obviously especially women. Mm. And in a 2002 interview, she said she was most proud of her work to increase the minimum wage for domestic workers and her work to make scholarships available for female college athletes, which wow. like seems obvious now, but it's like, oh yeah, only men only male athletes got scholarships because they were the only ones taken seriously. And they still are the only ones taken seriously in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But less so than back then. And just like right. little things like that, I think are so cool. Yeah. Um, when she I feel first like entered she probably Congress, super oh. inspired Elizabeth Warren. That was who I was thinking of as as I was writing my notes. I was like, there's this very interesting connection between both of their um, backgrounds because Elizabeth yeah. Warren was also in education for a yeah, very she's long a special time. special needs teacher, I think. Yeah, before she became, before she went and got her law degree and became mm-hmm. a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I feel like I remember her telling a story about somebody saying, you should go into law. And she was like, no, I'm going to be a teacher. And... It's very similar with Shirley Chisholm, where she was just like, you know, no, it's fine. I, I'm facing a lot of obstacles, and so I'm going to do this thing that I'm also really passionate about. Right. But she couldn't deny who she was. Right. You know, that, that girl who won, won the debate competition in high school, she couldn't deny that that's what she was meant to be doing. Right. And, um, yeah, so... When she first entered Congress, the powers that be in Congress tried to force her to serve on a forestry committee. Just like. Okay. Which, you you know, know, being a native New Yorker growing up in Brooklyn, she's clearly got the expertise for that. Ding, ding, ding. She refused (laughs) because her constituents lived in an urban area. And she was like, they don't give a shit about forestry. And neither do I. But they were just trying very hard to, like, shunt her off into some other section that no one would ever hear from her again. And also, 
a big fuck you to the people who decided that forestry was like the the place for people who they didn't want to put in more important because that is very important too okay anyway yeah no Says that's a good point <laughs> yeah whose forests are burning right now oh oh god um, she often joked that perhaps she was assigned to that committee because someone had read the book A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, which I thought was a good <laughs> joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but her serious and determined demand to be moved to a committee that better suited her constituents cannot be understated because she could have very easily just been like, OK, I don't want to make waves. I'm here and I'm the only one who looks like me who is here and... I should do what I can to stay here and not yeah. alienate my colleagues. And right. she said, no, I'm I'm here because people voted me in here and I need to serve their interests. Yes. So she fought for that. Good. And surely. Um, yeah. And obviously, like, she encountered plenty of sexism and racism. Like, apparently, I Weird didn't put this in my notes, but... There was one senator who, like, every day approached her in the hallway and was like, how is it that you make as much money as I make? And she and would say this to her every fucking day until she finally was like, I don't ever want to hear from you or speak to you ever again. Because they do the same fucking job. That's why they make the same amount of money. Weird, huh? Uh That's a concept that white men at the time did not understand. It was, I think, so prevalent back then, like this, because I Oprah tells similar story, which is definitely decades later, where she learned that her male counterpart, who was white, was making like twice as much money as she was. And she went in asking for a raise and they would be like, yeah, but he's a husband and like he has a family to take care of. And it's like, yeah, but we do the same fucking job. So we should make the same amount of money. Like, is it funny? I think that's such a baffling explanation. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so finally, after, after being in Congress for, um, I think it was four years by this point, in 1972, she announced that she was running for president. Goosebumps. So, yeah. <laughs> I know. So Tammy Brown, fuck? I'm, I'm, I'm going to heavily cite Tammy Brown right now because she has a lot of info about Shirley and she talked to Vox about her. And she Hi, said... Tammy. Hi, Tammy. Chisholm is best known out of the women who've tried to gain... The, Uh, the candidacy for president before Hillary uh, because of two main reasons. One, her fierce intellect and her oratorical skills. She could give a speech. She could bring the house down. And I think because she was so smart and also so persuasive, she got attention. Mm. Another reason, I think, is literally the historical moment. So being in the right place at the right time. At the start of her political career, the African-American civil rights movement and various institutions within it are gaining momentum, as well as the yep. National Organization for Women, who yep. supported Chisholm, which I thought was pretty cool because that was like a heavily white lady. Uh, white feminism does not have a good track record with women Exactly. Of color. <laughs> exactly. So the fact that they supported her, I thought, was, was pretty, um, pretty interesting. Um, the organization is predominantly white women, so there was criticism among them when she accepted the endorsement of the Black Panther Party. So oh, Black Panthers God. endorsed her, and the white feminists were like, oh my God. Oh no, my suburban not okay. It's like, but, actually, maybe just figure out what the Black Panthers are before you make any fucking hasty judgment. Uh-huh. 
<gasps> yep, one day one day we'll talk about the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. Um, her rationale was that she wanted to receive support from anyone who wanted to support her. Seems pretty simple to me, I think. Unless well, it's, you know, when, neo-Nazis. When views but. a line. What? Uh, oh, views a line. Views a line, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because of, of that historical moment, you know, the black liberation and, and the women's liberation movements both rising at the same time, she was able to reach a cross-section of constituents like no other woman had before. So one thing that's not well known about Shirley is that she is of Caribbean descent, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So her parents are from Barbados and Guyana, and she's very proud of that history. When people think of Shirley Chisholm, they often just think of her as a black American, but her Caribbean heritage reveals the diversity within blackness, cultural ethnic diversity that is too often lost, and she capitalized on that diversity to gain support. I mean, I think the same is true of Kamala Harris, because her her black lineage comes from Jamaica. Yes, and she is also of uh, South Asian descent. Yes. So she is coming from two very different um, ethnicities and reaching across, you know, I don't know, lines. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad way Cultural to put that. Cultural borders that are fake anyway, but. <laughs> she's reaching they're across not, cultural they're not, borders. You know I what I'm saying? Smart. Like, they're, they're not fake. They're just, you know, not as significant as people like to. I don't know. Cut this out. Yeah, we'll cut that. You know what I'm trying to say, but I can't articulate it. Yes. I think that I think that she reached across cultural borders is a good way of putting that. Yeah. Um, and Kamala Harris is doing that same thing. So, yeah. So she had support from Caribbean immigrants in New York when she ran for office and when she ran for president in 1972. She had support from immigrants across various backgrounds, including Italian immigrants and Polish immigrants. She had support from white American women because of her feminist politics. She had support from working class African Americans because of her commitment to working class people. Mm. And she had support from mothers and women across racial lines because of her commitment to education. Did she have children at this point? You know, I don't know, actually. I I don't think she ever had children, but I Mm. might be misstating that. They none of the articles I I cited here mentioned her having children Mm. um let me just scroll down really quick just to make sure that i'm yeah i don't think she did so if i'm wrong somebody can feel free to correct me um but i'm mainly just talking about you know her politics in this so right well i just was wondering since you said she had like the yeah of suburban mothers but that yeah. could just be feminism and and her you know degree in childhood education and the fact that she understood children yes she didn't i have them. think i think the fact that she was advocating for child care in mm. very elizabeth warren yeah. you know she was advocating for child care and proper education and revamping that system in a way that supported mothers and made it possible for them to do things that they weren't able to do. She walked so that Warren could run and still not (laughs) get the nomination when she fucking should have. Yes. They were very similar. (laughs) But, you know, in 1972, I think either that was the year, and I'm this is totally off the top of my head, but it was either that year or the year before, I believe, when 
women were first allowed to have their own credit cards. Thanks in part to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes. And you didn't so need a male was, co-signer on a right. credit card. She was really fighting for women who were in situations where they, you know, had young children, they might be single, they might be divorced, or they might be in bad marriages, who could not support their families adequately because of the situation that, that society had put them in, thanks to needing a male cosigner on every fucking thing that they wanted. And so or Shirley needed. was, yeah, or needed. And Shirley was all about like, okay, let's provide childcare, let's provide education, let's make it possible for women to actually have real fucking lives and support their families and support what themselves. What a concept. What a concept. You know, I mean, good God. Almost like women or people or something. And that was that was why she had the support of women, because it was the first time anyone was saying, hey, women are people. They should have a voice in this. Crazy, right? What a crazy Bonkers. concept. Yeah. So, you know, she bridged so many different constituencies and she was an excellent model of the power of the grassroots campaign because she would meet people in their homes and she would meet them where they Whoa. were. She knew their candidacy would pave the way, her candidacy would pave the way for future candidates of color and for women. Hmm. But um, obviously, as we already know, discrimination followed her after her candidacy was announced. Many black male voters did not rally around her. And her candidacy came at a time when black political leaders were unsure about how to exercise power during the upcoming election. There was no obvious choice of a black candidate who seemed to have a real chance of winning. And obviously this was before she announced her candidacy. So there were two guys that that black leaders were like, oh, maybe they could do it. One was named Julian Bond, and he was a representative in Georgia's state House of Representatives. And already a prominent national figure, apparently. Um, and he was considered the favorite son of black voters of that state, like the favorite, uh, you know, the favorite candidate, potential candidate. And yeah. then there was Carl Stokes, who was a former congressman and the first black mayor of Cleveland or any other major American city. Mm. And he was mulling a bid, but he never actually entered the race. Mm. And uh, some black leaders thought that he had enough of a national reputation to be a serious contender, mm. and others wanted to throw their support behind a white candidate who seemed to have their their interests in mind, but also have a chance of winning. Right. And in the midst of all of that confusion, Chisholm was like, fuck that. And she was like, fine, I'm going to be the black person who runs. Good for her. She said, um, or no, sorry, an unnamed aide of hers told the New York Times they were standing around peeing on their shoes. <laughs> so <laughs> Shirley finally said the hell with it and got a campaign going. If she hadn't, we'd still be without a black candidate. Wow. Well, um, and I, I think it's interesting. I mean, we've only taken the the babyest of steps. I'm, I mean, you know, we have had a black president, which is great. But, you know, the fact that at that time it was kind of like only one black candidate could end up running because they didn't want to split the black vote. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Yeah, it was a very when interesting nowadays time. I feel like there's a lot more people of color running for office 
running for high office and having, you know, significantly higher chances of winning. And it doesn't have to be like, well, you, you we have to rally behind one candidate as the black vote. And right. that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we don't want to split it. I mean, it is. We've we've come a long way. And yet there are a lot of things that are still true, which is that, like, we might be willing as a country, as a deeply misogynist country, to vote for a black man, but we will never vote for a woman. Of any like, color. <laughs> of any color. It doesn't matter. A woman is is never going to be uh, qualified enough. And I think that was really a her major hormones, thing that though. Shirley ran into. Exactly. Her hormones. Her hormones. Hysteria. She's going to get pregnant and leave. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. It, it is still something that we deal with in a big way. And that was a really major part of the criticism that Shirley faced. The discrimination and the prejudice. Mm. Um, she was blocked from participating in televised primary debates. And after taking legal action about it, she was permitted to make just one speech. (sighs) Yep. And? (laughs) Still, students, women, and minorities followed the, quote, Chisholm Trail. She Ah. entered 12 primaries and garnered 152 of the delegates' votes, which is 10% of the total. Wow. Which is pretty significant, I think, for a black woman in 1972. Yeah. In a race where she was not even allowed to get on television and debate. Yeah, who knows? Maybe if she had been allowed to get on on that stage, more people would have been able to hear her message. But that's the problem, right? Yep. She was still able to do all of that despite an underfinanced campaign and contentiousness from the predominantly male Congressional Black Caucus. Yeah. And she felt like the, the Congressional Black Caucus did not support her bid for the presidency because of what else? What were we just talking about? Sexism. Yeah. You know. Sexism exists in all races. <laughs> yep. That was a beautiful little ditty. I loved it. Thank and, you. You know, they would say things like, well, at the end of the day, we have to support the candidate that's actually electable. Oh, that fucking electability word again. Like that bullshit argument that yeah. women well, have to means- face way more than any other man who's run for office. Yeah, because all it means is electability is being white and male. So if you aren't either of those things, then you have to, yeah, you have to prove that you're like, that you can somehow overcome that and you're never gonna. Oh my God. So, you know, that uh, that hurt her feelings, according to Tammy Brown, because underneath that statement, she too. understood, yeah, she understood that to mean, well, we don't think a woman is capable of serving. So that it was, it was a really complicated issue because there were some black male politicians who supported her, yeah. but there were a lot who did not, right. who preferred to support a white male candidate. As long as they had, you know, the, the right policies. Yeah, correct. But even then, I think they were they were able to make some, you know, allowances. Mm hmm. So she well, arrived can, at the convention. You can more easily forgive those things anyway. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's okay. We're a little bit, we have a little bit of lag between us, I think, um, on our FaceTime, but that's okay. Chisholm arrived at the convention with 152 delegates, as we mentioned, which, yes. um, you know, 
was not enough, but her plan had been to hope for a deadlocked convention in which she could use her delegates to negotiate a black running mate, a woman to serve in the cabinet, and a Native American as secretary of the uh, interior. Excuse, excuse me? That's what she wanted. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Uh, a secretary it, of the interior especially is like, that would be so significant. I know. She Ugh. had high hopes. She wasn't just looking at it as, okay, this is a big day for black women and black people. This is a big moment for all people who have been traditionally underrepresented. And I want to be the person who helps them get representation in <laughs> fucking politics, in the government. That was her desperate hope. Yeah. You know, but unfortunately, her opponent had put together 1,700 delegates. And oh, good. it was like there was just no way. So she went back to Congress where she continued to serve until 1981, um, which I thought was good. <laughs> I was like, okay, at yeah. least this wasn't. Yeah, it, like you, well, and you know, I looked up the 1972 presidential election, um, which of course was Nixon got elected that year. Yes, we yeah, um, mm, and Nixon fun. got Nixon got sixty point seven percent of the vote, so the Democratic mm. nominee clearly wasn't electable either. No, he got yeah, Nixon got all states except for Massachusetts, I think, and uh, D.C. I think. God, that's crazy. I didn't realize that. I mean, that's what uh, Wikipedia. To delegates anyway. Yeah, it's look at this. Whoa. Yeah. He won. Horde. Holy shit. Yeah. Which is so Ugh. funny to look to look back at and be like him. Oh, OK. Like, really? That guy? It's amazing that, that Trump won it all. But that was at least a nail biter in 2016 where it was like, yeah. Ugh. And but he anyway, still didn't really win. Anyway. Not the popular vote. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, only America has two versions of voting where one trumps the popular vote. Whatever. Pun not intended? Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> not intended, but I'll take it. Um, so, yeah. So she's, she continued to serve until 1981. She rose in leadership to become the secretary of the House of the Democratic Caucus nice. and then um, taught at Mount Holyoke uh, after retiring in 83. Um, and she co-founded the National Political Congress of Black Women. And I'm not entirely sure what that is. I should have looked that up, but that was one of her after Congress projects. Um, Good for in 1991, she moved... Yeah, she never stopped. She moved to Florida in 91, uh, declined the nomination to become the U.S. ambassador to Jamaica due to ill health. Um, and she passed away in 2005. I didn't look deeper into what she passed away from, but, right. you know, she but passed she, in 2005. But she, she would have been fairly, fairly old if she was born in the 20s. <laughs> yeah, 24. Yeah. What, I, I'm bad at math, so I don't know, but... Um, in an interview at the end of her life, she said, I want history to remember me not as the first black woman to have made a bid for the presidency of the United States, but as a black woman who lived in the 20th century and who dared to be herself. I want to be remembered as a catalyst for change in America. Hmm. And so that's where I'm going to end my 
my notes on Shirley Chisholm, the first well, black woman. She certainly was. Catalyst for change. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want some on this day in history? You know me. I sure do. All right. Well, I'll do my best to get through this quickly. 1780. Uh, British Major on- John Andre reveals Benedict Arnold's plot to betray West Point. Shame, shame, shame. Benedict Arnold. What's the day, by the way? Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, September 23rd. 23rd. Okay. Good okay. Good call. Good call. September 23rd. Um, 1806, Lewis and Clark return to St. Louis from the Pacific Northwest. I have no idea how long that expedition was, but I think it was a long time. Yeah, I would think so. I think it was a pretty long time. Oh, God. Well, this one is appropriate. Oh, actually, this is what the other news piece was that I was trying to remember at the beginning of this episode. All right. And we're back in full circle. Um, All right. So in 1941... The first gas murder experiments are conducted at Auschwitz concentration camp. So, if there is anyone listening who cannot name a Nazi concentration camp, now you can. Because apparently, some absurd number of Americans don't know that the Holocaust happened and can't name any concentration camps and don't know that six million people, Jewish people died Plus, I think it's like five million um, R- Romani people, gay and lesbian people, yeah. uh, mentally challenged people, disabled people. Yeah, it was real cool, real cool, real, real awesome time for everybody. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was an article I think in the Guardian that came out about how many Americans don't actually know that that happened, but that happened. So. 1941, today, first murder experiments. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't remember since you and I had an at-length conversation about it. Well, Deanna, there was a lot to remember about things that happened in the last few weeks. (laughs) Fair, fair. Um, Let's see. Anything else? Um, Richard Nixon in 1952 makes his checkers speech. I don't care. I don't know anything about that, but maybe someone will. Um, 1957, a white mob forces nine black students enrolled at Little Rock Central High School in Arkansas to withdraw. That's fucking fun. Today is a great day. Today's a racist ass day. Good thing we talked about Shirley Chisholm. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God for God. Shirley Chisholm. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Uh, Let's see. 1962, ABC's first color TV series airs, The Jetsons. (laughs) Wow. I forgot that. I think I knew that, but forgot about it. 1962. 2019, climate activist Greta Thunberg scolds world leaders in her How Dare You speech um, for not addressing climate change at the UN Climate Action Summit in New York. I thought that was good. I love her. We love her on this podcast. Yes, we do. If she had, like, if she was any older, I would say, we should we should talk about her. But she's only, like, 16 or something. We need her to live a little bit more life. 
Yeah, she probably doesn't have, <laughs> it would be a very short episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. I think I'm going to end it on that one because okay. that's really, today is, is kind of a fucked up day, it seems. In 1955, a jury in Sumner, Mississippi, acquits two white men, Roy Brandt, Roy Bryant and J.W. Milam of murdering black teenager Emmett Till. Oh, my God. What a depressing Christ. fucking day. I think today has just, yeah, been a bad day. Whereas on September 16th, if we had aired last week, we would have had Mexican independence. Yes. We would have had the French uh, abolishing slavery in all territories in 1848. We would have had um, the arrest of six Klansmen in 1871. I'm glad my birthday was Or 1971. Yeah, your birthday was day. better. Yeah. Your birthday was, was a little bit better. Um, <laughs> and in 1972, oh yeah, I did have to say this one because I thought it was so fucking funny that they were like, oh, the first TV series about a mixed marriage airs in 1972. Bridget loves Bernie, and so I looked it up, and what they mean by mixed marriage is a Catholic Religion. who marries a Jewish man. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, all right, pat on the back for you guys. You did a well, great thing. You know, that was that was a big deal. I know, you, did you know West Side Story was supposed to originally be about Catholics and Jews? Oh, I didn't. It was going to be East Side Story. And it was going to be about Catholics and Jews. But I'm glad they changed it. I think it's more resonant historically, the the changes they made. But yeah. Agreed. Um, There are a couple other ones that from last week that I'll I'll end on because they're they're better. Um, In 1976, the American Episcopal Church approves the ordination of women as priests and bishops. This is still from my birthday, you said? This is from your birthday Uh because it's a better day for on this day in history. Yeah. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger became a U.S. citizen <laughs> oh, well in 1983. Done. And this one I thought he was, was a U.S. citizen before I was because I yeah. wasn't born yet. <laughs> um, 1989, this is for you. Debbie Turner is crowned Miss America and she is the third African American woman to win in 1989. On my first birthday. Mm hmm. And uh, in 2019, I had to include this one because it made me laugh. Mark Ruffalo rebuffs the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who compared himself to the Hulk. He said, Boris Johnson forgets that the Hulk only fights for the good of the whole. And that's that's where I'm going to end it. I'm I'm retconning a little bit, but I don't care. Mark Ruffalo is the best, and September 16th was better, and that's that. And he gave me a seat on the subway, so I will always love him for that. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Oh, shit. Um, well, do you have anything that you are excited about? Maybe? I, I you don't I, have to. It's okay I if you don't. I should think of something. I don't know. I mean, I did just recently get... Um, I bought myself a birthday present and I got a um oh a ring fit for my Switch. So it's really cute and fun. What's that? It's like a game, but it's a workout game. 
So it's Ooh. like meant to get you active. So you have like this ring. I'll send you a trailer. You have like this ring that you can squeeze and pull and tilt and put it over your head and squeeze and all these things. And then there's a little leg band that so you can jog in place and do squats and stuff like that. And so Ooh, it's like really cute awesome. and really fun. And it's a, a fun way for me to just get in like 10 minutes of movement because I started working again. And so I'm sitting at a desk all day long. So it's it's fun to get to just get a little bit that in. sounds awesome yeah i love it yeah hell yeah i like that movement as exciting things yeah it's great and i'm excited just to see your face again <laughs> i know it's been so long <laughs> yeah we're gross and, uh, <laughs> yeah well we um We'll call it. We'll call it a day. I think it's. This is a, a fairly long episode, and it's maybe. I hope not been too much of a of a roller coaster for people, but. Um, you yeah, know. we just felt it was important to to come back. Yeah, and I didn't know, I know if I would have are... the motivation to do it after my day yesterday of crying in the shower and being unable to breathe in the shower and all that. Yeah, but it may... but anyway. we're doing it. We'll We're come back. back and we'll Life talk about... Life goes on. We fight harder. Yeah. We'll make sure we're still discussing some of these things, even though it's complicated, because I think that... I mean, this is why we started the podcast in the first place. Exactly. You know, was to was to debrief and discuss and also empower ourselves with knowledge about people who have overcome adversity and done cool shit, despite obstacles and that's where we're at we're at a weird time in our culture and society when we have to make a lot of really hard choices but also we have to get kind of settled in our helplessness for a little while and recognize what we can do and you know take care of ourselves when we can't do anything right so yeah and um yeah with with that we will be back next next week hopefully uh, yeah, uh with <laughs> more episodes Im- about anything cool people. nuts yeah and uh in the meantime peace out witches bye listening to good witches bad bitches thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it good witches bad bitches is hosted by deanna greif me you and you (laughs) hannah ferguson and we're produced by benjamin garst um you can find us on itunes stitcher spotify google play google play pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcasts you can find us there we're also on social media you can find us on instagram and twitter and facebook gwbb podcast you can also email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com we love to receive emails if you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to hear on air uh shoot it over to us we would love to read it if you want to help keep us running you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash gwbbpodcast (laughs) become a patron and help us 
you know, pay for our hosting. Yeah, Patreon really helps content creators be able to continue to create their content. And it just kind of helps us break even on the costs of producing this podcast. And it would be really awesome if you wanted to help out. If you like it, you can be a part of it. Also, to help us out, you can rate, review, and subscribe. All of, the, all of those things are extremely helpful for us. They help other listeners find us. Yeah. Word of mouth, also good. Yeah. <laughs> our website is gwbbpodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes there as well as some other things bubbling out of our witchy cauldron. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is powered by Moon Bounce. Moon Bounce.